Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Thanks for joining us for another amazing Mentor Core podcast. Um, we are excited today to welcome Reggie Youngblood, who's the Assistant Vice President in AT&T's Chief Compliance Office and has an amazing background that you'll hear more about from him. Um, but the last 12 years of his life has been spent working in the area of ethics and compliance. And he has stories to tell us and wisdom to share. So before we go too much further, Reggie, thank you for being here today. Um, tell us a little bit about what makes you you and like how your career has gotten to this point. Sure, sure. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. And the things I share are of, of my views and not of the corporation I work for. But uh, when I look over the years of compliance, I've been very lucky. I've been sometimes you could say being at the right place at the right time, where I've had a chance to work on things from drones to looking at uh, also areas involving when phones were, we were having the problems with the phones blowing up because of the batteries, I had the Ooh, chance yeah. to work in compliance from that perspective and really had a varied career uh, from network cell towers to now getting into ESG and sustainability. So when I look at compliance, I think it is an opportunity, a growth field, just because so much is changing. And I've enjoyed um, every step of the way. Well, that's such a benefit of being in a multi-dimensional company like AT&T is you've got, yeah, it's not people think of it for one, but it really is so much more than that in terms of the things that you do. It gives you a broad spoke scope of things you get to play with, right? It, it really does. And that's what excites me. I'm a person that loves new challenges. I've heard that from the day I started with the company, which has now been 35 years. Uh, but over those years, um, I've had the opportunity to see things, experience things, and step forward into areas that maybe we're not as uh, mature or not as uh, grounded in how we might address them. They just said, Reg, here's an opportunity. See what you can make of it. And I was just very lucky to be there and with the background. One thing I would mention before getting into compliance, I was able to work in a number of different organizations, which helped my uh, time and compliance, uh, I would say it, was, it, it helped it to be a better person and, and offer value. Uh, I've worked in everything from network to sales, to legal, to uh, IT, to security, um, marketing, a number of different areas. And the nice thing about being in compliance, you just never know what you might face that day. Um, this morning, I started out with international HR, then I went over to international legal, then I came back to United States and talked about some other issues, other opportunities to help business units be compliant. Um, so compliance definitely has opened the doors and helped me to see things that uh, I don't know if I would have seen if I had just stayed in one organization. So I have to ask. When you were little Reggie, <laughs> did you say, <laughs> I think I want to grow up and be in a compliance profession? Like 35 years ago, was this on your radar as an option even? 
I have to say, I didn't know how to spell compliance back growing up uh, and, and, and thinking about it as a career. I was more focused towards the engineering. I have an engineering background and I was always the kid that was taking things apart. You know, the mom said, you just purchased that. I said, yeah, but I wanted to see how did it work? So I started taking it apart and sometimes I got it back together and other times I did. But that was my goal at that young stage was to find a career that allowed me to take things apart, be somewhat of a detective, talk and work with others. And as I say this now, I think about that's pretty much compliance, but I didn't know it because you are usually put in a situation where you're having to digest information, take it apart, see how you can put it back together to evaluate it. And you're always working with people. The more you work with others, the easier the job is. So not knowing it, I thought it was engineering, but it ended up really, I guess what I was thinking of was compliance, but not realizing there was even a, you know, a, a world of compliance from a job perspective. I love how you contextualize that because I know that so many of our listeners often struggle with having skills in one profession um, and not understanding how they might be transferable into that next role or into that next part of a career. Um, was this something that came naturally to you, this kind of bridge of explanation of how these natural you know, uh, tendencies towards taking things apart and putting them back together lend themselves to the role? Or is that something that you've learned over time? A little bit of both. And I have to give credit to one of my mentors that actually recognized that she was the chief of compliance at the time. And I was working in a totally different area. And she called me up one day and she said, Reginald, I think I have an opportunity to opportunity for you in compliance. I've watched you grow. I've watched you do and handle different things. And we think compliance would be a good fit. And I was kind of scratching my head. It's like compliance, how, how, where's that interaction? Where does it fit? And after sitting down with her and explaining it and giving me the opportunity, um, it was, a, as I would say, it was a great fit, but I didn't see it initially. And, but on the other side, as I said, I've grown into it. I think with the seasoning of the grayness that comes with age and, and with experiencing different things, I think it has helped me to look at things differently, to ask questions differently, and to figure out ways how to partner with the business, because that is so critical in this role. If they see compliance coming sometimes, if you don't have uh, the deposits made ahead of time, they see you as, oh, we've who did something wrong? What are you going to hit us for? But if you built the bridge ahead of time and said, hey, I can help you with that. I can help you evaluate risk. I can help you um, look at prioritization. And when they look at you that way, that's when it's a fantastic conversation and you know you can really make a difference. The value add, that's, that's where at the end of the day I strive for um, using those years of experience using the uh, late nights, the early mornings, working in security when there were breaches or things that happened. I try to reflect on that to build that bridge with new people that I meet. And uh, I would say, and it's not always a fast bridge building, but it is a gradual building because those are the, the bridges I think last the longest. So the, you mentioned that this role 
for lack of a better term, came to you. It was something that arrived to you. Over the course, though, of your 35-year career, um, can you talk a little bit about how you looked at your next opportunities and how you sought them out, how they came about, and how much were you looking after that career path versus the organization looking after that career path? I, I, I'm a person that believes in creating the path, creating the bridge, preparing for when the door opens and not waiting for it to open. So I'm always one. I could be up in the middle of the night. My team could tell you this and they would get an email because I'm off reading something because I'm just interested. You can never start stop learning in this world, and especially in this field. And that's why I enjoy it so much. Um, it gives you the opportunity to pick up something that's brand new. Um, the world of sustainability ESG is a prime example. When I first realized that that was growing just because questions were, started to come up, I decided to get a certification. Not because my company told me to do it, but went on the internet, searched for ESG certifications and took the time and I decided to do it. So that's the type of thing that I try to tell others that I mentor and talk through is you have to create that door, create the path. So when the door opens, you have the knowledge, you have the experience, you have the willingness to uh, learn something new and share it with others. But if you just wait for it to appear and it's a perfect situation, I say it's unlikely. I think you have to create the situation through taking the time to learn on your own and talk to others. I love that curiosity. So I know you are a big reader. Um, yes. What are the things that you think are critical reads, um, like as a person or for the profession? What would you tell other people that they should be taking a look at or, or adding to their list? And if you're listening, thing, go check out the show notes because I'm going to put every one of them down in there. Open up your iPhone now. <laughs> now They're there. But I, I would tell you, those books that tell you how to relate to others. Uh, I, I've been reading a lot of books about millennials and, and Gen Z, Gen Y, and all these different ones because that has helped me to better relate to people. And if you just kind of come people come at people with the same way and not take that into consideration. Sometimes you might have a win, sometimes you might not. But I think from what I've seen, the more time spent um, learning about how to work with others. But then also, I when I come into work, I'm just listening to uh, podcast constantly. I have an hour and a half drive every day. So when I leave my driveway, I hit the button and I'm learning from everything from blockchain to uh, COVID to whatever it might be coming up. And I've utilized that time to be more beneficial than just watching the car next to me. So I would say, you know, continuously looking at the news uh, of where the trends are going, uh, both from a business perspective and from a people perspective. When you put those two together, I think by the time you reach that job in the morning, I'm a better person because if the phone rings and it's my chief compliance officer and he's saying, hey, did you know about this? I say, yeah, I heard about it on the way in. Let's talk about it. Compared to, oh no, I hadn't, I, I didn't know. Let me get back to you. So I think the more prepared you can be by constantly learning in those areas, um, the better you'll be off, you know, in the long run. 
Is there anything on your Kindle or bedside table right now that you recommend? That's a good question. Um, what's the, I, there's some, there is a book there, but I can't honestly remember the name of it. So <laughs> I don't know if that tells you how, you know, the quality of the book. But <laughs> <laughs> They're not all winners. Well, I actually think that's a really good reminder because, you know, too often people have these instant book picks and you know, it seems like every book everybody reads is the one to read, but that isn't the case. Not all books are the one to read. Um, <laughs> some, some of the ones you want to put aside and you say, nah, that's, that's not the right, right time to, to read I paid that 99 book. cents for it. I should really finish. <laughs> yes. Well, I love that you're on this journey of being a continuous learner. So let's talk a little bit about the things that you see in the future. We're gonna ask you to be a little bit of a futurist here. Um, what are the things that you think are most exciting right now um, that are coming up, different things that are changing for our profession or um, you know, opportunities that exist today that maybe didn't exist? You know five months ago, let alone five years ago? I think people will appreciate the risk evaluation process better, well, more than they do today, because companies are under tremendous pressure, of course, to get more done with not as many people, less money. That involves risk evaluation. And one of the things that I'm learning and I'm sharing more with others, with other business units, is how to go about evaluating risk and putting prioritization to those risks. Because at the end of the day, if you're not looking at the right information, interpreting that information, working with others, you can make a decision, but is it the right decision? Is it the best decision? So I think as a compliance organization, they, I think more groups will value the conversations they have with us because it's going to help them make the right business decisions, especially with a view of uh, more with, you know, back to sustainability ESG world, where there's so many eyes on those decisions. And as soon as you make them, it's on the front page. Yeah. So what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, more people are ringing my doorbell saying, let's talk about risk. Let's talk about risk framework. Help me understand how to evaluate this in the most better, best way. So I'm not missing something because they want to make the right decision. But we all know that many people can evaluate risk in different ways, but I think people want to get more comfortable with it. So I think they're going to, they will be asking the compliance people to come to the table and not look at us as the people who only find risk, but help to evaluate business decisions to make better strategic decisions, but then also how to react when, they, when something happens. You might, uh, might not always make the right decision, but then how do you react to it? What do you do next? And I, I see more people knocking on that door because we're moving from the side table more to the front table and part of the decision-making process. Yeah, without question. It's a neat evolution to watch that happen. Uh, you know, it's happened. I think privacy was at the forefront, and security right. has come along, and compliance is coming along in the same way. And it's neat. It's great to see these fields that we're in uh, moving into that level of uh, that level of focus. Uh, that said, 
you know, to what extent, how, how are you, how do you undo some of the historical um, beliefs that people have about what compliance is and does? And, you know, it's hard to undo decades of, you know, yes. they just check the box or they always yes. say no security. Uh, you know, <laughs> how, how have you been successful at doing that? I'm glad you asked that question because uh, I think I've refined my process over the years. Uh, what I like to do is do my homework first. So when I'm meeting with a group that I know is maybe not our best proponent, uh, uh, you know, person that's going to jump on the table and say, yay, compliance. So what I f- first want to do is to understand what are their drivers? what What are they having to stay up at night and worry about. And what I found, if you spend time working, understanding, learning who they are and what they're facing, they are more willing to spend time with you to explain it because they think you, they know then you understand it and you're gonna to try to give the best answer. But if you just show up at the door and say, tell me everything that you do, help me help you. They're like, wait a minute, I've got a full plate. You have not invested any time on this other than to get on my calendar. But if I come in there and I say, okay, from reading the news or from reading past audits or different things, I see these four or five things are are very critical to you. They kind of step back. Mm -hmm. And I say, did you know that these other groups can maybe help you accomplish that by talking to them and by well, why don't I even set up a meeting with this other person to help you out? So it's that whole opening the door, realizing you're invested in their best interests. And then with compliance, you touch so many different areas that you can open the door where they have problems opening the door because they didn't even know there was a door there. Right. The same thing with we're finding with data data that another group is using for their purpose can be used for another group, used by another group, but that group didn't know this even data existed. So first diving in, finding out who they are, finding out how you can help them, and then finding out how you can add value. If you do that, it, 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 you've got a friend for life. They will call you and answer the phone when you need them, from my experience. I love that. So um, let's take this in a little bit different direction, because one of the things that I'm hearing about again and again and again is um, culture, is well-being at work, is kind of, you know, what the future of human beings in the workplace is. What are you thinking about when it comes to um, well-being within the team that you work with? Yes, yes. I I am a person that believes family is, is right up there is higher than, than work. So what I try to do for my team is to emphasize that and that we work towards the things that they do outside of work just as hard as we do for the things inside of work. But The other thing that has worked for me is I set up a PR campaign for each of my managers. And by doing that, I say, okay, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Okay, once I understand that, I then work with them to set up situations that they can be on that platform where they can show what they want to do. And 
by doing that, that also shows that I care about them, not about what they do today, but I'm looking at them long term. And that has helped a lot with the people who work for me, uh, gotten a lot of people promoted and, uh, and, and moved to positions where their principals are higher level. Um, so I think showing both sides of it, not just asking, well, when you don't get that report done, what do you think about this? But the other side of also is to making them know it's an open door where they can knock on my door and say, well, Rich, that's just not going to work. You know, I understand what you're saying, but the, my, my, what I, I tell them is some of them is to uh, tell me to go back to the couch because sometimes I'm sitting on the couch and I think of something. And to me, it sounds like the greatest idea. Then I get on the call and I say, hey, Lisa, what about this? And I say, it's okay if you tell me to go back to the couch because you might not, I might not have seen the bigger picture, but I just give that as an example of where uh, it's an open door. I don't know all the answers and I would like to learn more from others. And so we have that open conversation. When I get my team together, sometimes I just sit back and smile because they're each giving their own opinion, idea on risk, on things to move forward. So going back to the answer, to directly answer your question is, is having a balance, balance between family and work. And then from a work perspective, balancing out their career with the things you need today and tomorrow. And when you get that done and they feel comfortable in that environment, I think you get the most out of the employee. That's wonderful. And wonderfully, it, it also provides a level of vulnerability that brings teams and leaders and teams together. Uh, I think that's remarkable, especially the, how, you know, the, the, the showcasing of specific capabilities uh, to help mature their thing. But I really especially love the, uh, tell me to go back to the couch. Uh, I might have to adjust that for me where the default is Daniel, go back to the couch. And I just let them tell me if this is the one out of a thousand things that hits. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Good. Well, Red, Reggie, unfortunately, we're close to the end of our time already. And we always end asking each of our guests about the best advice they've ever received from a mentor. So what is that best advice you've received from a mentor? The, the best advice actually came from my dad. Uh, he was a principal for many years uh, in high schools and junior high. And the main thing he says, just be yourself. Be yourself every day in what you do. When you show up to work, when you're at home, that way people see you as you are. But when you start trying to be something that you're not, and I can be honest, over 35 years, I've at times thought I should be something that I really didn't feel comfortable in, but I saw someone else moving ahead and I saw what they were doing. And when I tried to be that, I, I didn't feel comfortable. I, it, it, I did not come across as someone that you could trust. And I felt that. And once I realized it's okay to be me and make the best of me, uh, you know, and work on my faults and, and try to, you know, get better at it. My, my life became a lot easier, less stressful. Um, they, they can ask me something today and they asked me something two weeks ago or in the future. I think I would give them the same answer because it's based on what I know, what I feel and um, my most honest answer. I rarely do this, but I have a follow-up question based on that. It's easy for us as mature in our career people to say, it's hard to do when you're younger. 
Any advice for people giving, taking that, taking that piece of advice and trying to implement it when they're still at a point in which they think they not don't necessarily have control over things in a way that we might larger later on in our careers? Sure, sure. I would say at the younger age, because I've talked to my kids about this, is really taking a step back. And as I was saying, reading those books of how you relate to others, mm -hmm. taking that into consideration, say, how do you relate to your boss? What are the key things that, you know, your boss will, will resonate with them? Looking at that background, looking at uh, many different factors. And then once you understand that, then have that conversation where it might can be might not be totally open, that initial one, but you start working on it. You start opening the door. But if you continue to kind of force your way in because you're not taking that step back, it's kind of the same thing you asked me of working with, with business units. How do you go about it? Do your homework. And once you do your homework, then you start initiating the conversation. So that's what I would say to young people is do your homework and then go for it. Thank you so much. I mean, there's so many uh, gems in this one, um, words of wisdom. I've been writing down some of the things that you've said furiously. Um, and I think that this is one of those must listen episodes where so many people will, will come away with different uh, bits of advice and, and thoughts about how to navigate the what's next. So thank you for sharing um, sure. the gift of your time with us sure. and with all of our listeners today. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Join us on the next MentorCore uh, that will be premiering in one week. <laughs>